welcome to episode three of the Surreyor Global Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by FPL Chef and myself, Heidi Index. So today, really exciting, we've got a very special guest in blockchain, you'll never walk alone. So our Surreyor ambassador, huge Liverpool fan, and if you hadn't guessed by the name, one of the most experienced users on the, the platform. So really keen to get him on this episode, start picking his brains, learn what, what he has picked up over the last year or so on this platform. So this week, we've got some, some big topics we'll be focusing on. PSG, as you know, obviously have came onto the platform. Huge news, so we'll be going into that into a bit more detail. We're going to review our performances in the last game week, so that was game week 104. Let's see who, who's done what. Has there been any successes there? And we've got lots of user questions from the community, from Discord and, and also the, the Twitter channels. So before we go into that excitement of Mbappe, Neymar and Co., Let's welcome You'll Never Walk Alone, Mark. Why don't you, you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a bit about your surreal journey so far? Yes, well, thanks, guys, first and foremost, for having me on. It's a, a real privilege. I've got to know some of you uh, very well over the last few weeks since you guys have joined the platform. And, uh, yeah, happy to uh, share whatever I can and see if it helps people. But, uh, yeah, my journey uh, with Surreal started on the very first day these guys uh, launched the platform, which was back in February 2019. Uh, I was made aware of the, the platform and the intentions of Nicholas and the team. Um, as I was playing some other blockchain games only in 2018 I'm relatively new to crypto um, and I was quite vocal in a couple of other channels and uh, started chatting with Nicholas and uh, he put forward the idea and the concept of what he wanted to build with Sarah and I said well look if you build that I can't see how it's going to uh, be difficult to attract other people to to join um, so by February he'd had chats with other managers you know you might recognized names such as Oshai and Mamba and Berglu and four of us were amongst a, a beta group of 30 managers that were really invited to put the platform through its early phases and, uh, and, and yeah it was it was a really interesting time because we only really had Belgian football teams at that point to uh, get our teeth into and uh, it was all relatively unknown territory for us all but together um, yeah we had some some really exciting auctions even back then uh, we created some side games on discord some of which still exist today um, and then yeah the, the platform grew from strength to strength and Seems a long time ago now, but yeah, November, uh, even of last year, we still were only operating with the Belgian teams and West Ham. And then we really started to see the, uh, the community grow as some of the, uh, the new European teams that uh, now uh, people have, have built strong collections from, the likes of, you know, I say Schalke, they're not in the greatest of form at the moment, but Atletico, Juve, Lazio, then the French teams. Uh, and then we had other teams from Russia started to join and each of those bought with them, you know, some pretty strong fans of their clubs uh, and then helped to grow different factions of the community as well. And, and that's where we are today. You guys, uh, I think, have uh, joined from the most recent wave of people that have played Footstop Football Index. And you've now seen Serrera's, you know, potential alternative uh, that you might want to explore and diversify into. And yeah, I'm still part of the original group of managers along the way. There's been some other big names, you know, Zarao uh, and Seguin and Surface and Max and Victor and Banzai. And, you know, between us all now, there's 
yeah, a real, real core of, of, of managers that, uh, yeah, battle it out on a week-to-week basis for some, some pretty good prizes. Yeah, we'll go into to those prizes in a, a bit more detail later, but thanks for that. That was really great to, to get that background. So, as you said, me and Chef, we've, we've joined more recently in the last three or four months, but I can, can see how this, this platform ha- has really developed and grown as we've added all these new teams. So, over 100 different clubs on the platform at the moment, and that seems to just be increasing on a, a weekly, monthly basis. Um, and it looks to continue for for the foreseeable future. I suppose what when you were introduced to it by Nicholas in those those early days, you, you mentioned that you saw the the prospect of this. You could see why other other managers would would want to to join into it. What was it that that brought you on board? What was it excited you about the the prospect of this type of of new game? So what attracted me to this game in the first place was the ability to uh, live out almost like a, a, a dream of playing with, you know, football cards that you used to collect, like in Panini albums from the 80s and 90s, um, but actually take this into one step further. And you, know, you can collect these cards that could go on to become, you know, considerably more valuable in the future. But uh, what Nicholas was uh, showing me at the time was that they were going to build a game which you could actually end up uh, competing and using your knowledge to win prizes with. Um, and having played many, many football games from you know, the likes of FIFA, Pro Evo, Hattrick, Football Manager, you know, whilst you can get a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment from playing these games, uh, it's not always that you can make money from them. And I dabbled in Football Index and you know, I'd enjoyed it when I was back in you know, reasonable size portfolio back in 2018 but it never really struck me as a game where you know there was any true ownership of what I was uh, was buying into whereas the cards here they they have more of an emotional attachment to some of them and uh, I think as fans start to join and you've probably seen for yourself as the bigger clubs uh, start to join uh, I think we're, we're starting to untap now with the scarcity on top uh, some quite interesting uh, valuations and, and, and things that you, you can start to make a good living from. Absolutely. It's almost like the, the grown-up version of some of these games, isn't it? So, yeah, lo- loads of opportunity and loads of excitement and it's it's just really getting started. So, a great place to be. Chef, any thoughts? Yeah, just going back to when you were talking about the other managers, uh, I, I assume you have quite a healthy rivalry with these guys uh, every game week. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, again, through the, you know, it's 18 months now, you know, you've got different rivals at different times and different phases of the game. I think your biggest rival is always the uh, the manager that owns the Hans Van Aken unique card from 2018-19. And that changed hands a couple of times. Um, Fortunately, you know, in owner or, or I've loaned in uh, the second season version of him, which has helped me hedge against uh, certain teams that Marcus has got. Um, but yeah, again, there's always new rivals emerging. I think it's, uh, you know, we've got people in more recent months. Dot Jot has been very, very dominant in the US. Uh, Zlatina has also spent considerable amounts and he's got uh, some other friends that uh, uh, together they do very well every week. I don't think uh, we should uh, ignore the uh, financial strength of Mr. Crapo, who's uh, <laughs> turned, the, turned the platform on, it, on its head in the last uh, six to eight weeks. But yes, then indeed. again, you've got Gobelda, the collector, the list goes on. Tom C, I've got to know quite well, another fellow Liverpool fan and he's built an impressive collection and I'm, you know, I'm sure I've missed a few along the way as well. 
Absolutely. There's, there's more and more of these users every day. I think everyone you've you've kind of mentioned there have had lots of engagement with lots of discussions and there's different styles and different approaches to this game that each of those yeah, and I think as you taken. get yeah. Sorry, and as I, I think as you get to know each one, you can get to understand a little bit more about their motivations. And then there's ways that you can collaborate. So even though you might be, you know, competing on the same leaderboards each and every week, uh, there are always ways that you can try and find ways to collaborate together, which can often be a lot cheaper and a lot cost, more cost effective than fighting it out tooth and nail on, you know, the primary auctions. So, yeah, I, I, I can only recommend that it's worth, you know, using the Discord. Uh, you know, I know you guys are very active on Twitter and have, have, have built a nice community following around at Twitter as well. But, yeah, get to know the fellow managers. You can't always strike deals, but if you can, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good use of your time. Yeah, that's a, an exciting part. I think we'll, we've got a question around the, the loan system and, and how that all works and some of the benefits there. So we'll, we'll go into that in a bit more detail later later on. Um, but there's, there's, there's so, so much you can do on this platform. And as you said, collaborating with other managers is huge. It offers new and different directions for you to take your your collection So and the, the way you approach the game. So we'll touch on that in a bit more detail. Yeah, uh, I think the next subject we'll tackle is the small matter of uh, Paris Saint-Germain joining the platform. Uh, last week we saw Paris Saint-Germain join us. Uh, that was quite a busy day on, on the website and on the Discord. I, uh, I, I didn't buy anyone, but I was watching auctions with a lot of interest. There was a few interesting ones, notably uh, Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. I think the community went into overdrive the night before, didn't it? When we got that that feeling that some of the teases that the, the guys had put out were actually coming. We were going to get one of these huge European champions joining the, the platform. Um, and when we found out that that was going to be PSG, the fact that you could get an Mbappé or a Neymar in the next few days um, set, I think, a lot of people running to, to top up their balances so we, we definitely saw some some crazy activity that that first day. We've got an Mbappe. His his first super rear became the tenth most expensive card on on the platform. So jumping in there with the the unique cards straight away, and um, that set a precedent. And I think you know, we're we're only going to see higher and higher um, purchases with some of these new clubs and, and new players coming on, especially the, the, these elite ones. So we've seen Marquinhos come on, become the most expensive sale on the platform at 22 Ethereum, and that's about £6,000 at the time. That's that's mind-boggling. I don't... Mark, you've, you've obviously seen big trades happen, and, and, and maybe back in the earlier days when there were less users on, some of the amounts being paid for cards might have been a, even a higher risk, um, and maybe we'd have seen even crazier at the time. What do you think about some of the prices we're seeing on, on these PSG guys now? Yeah, I was just, just going to say, reflecting back on some of the, uh, the, the transactions that uh, this Marquinhos and Mbappe have gone on to now break records of, uh, I think, yeah, the, the sort of uh, trades that we're seeing even at three, five, seven, maybe back 12 months ago, would probably be, be deemed more of a, a, a risk. I know a lot of the, the new managers come in and say, oh, you guys got a load of cheap cards last year. Well, in reality, 
I would argue slightly against that. We've come into a company which was uh, in a much earlier part of its uh, growth journey and may or may not have gone on to succeed and be the sort of size company it is today. But, you know, going back to PSG, it it really is enormous news. Um, I remember vividly, you know, Atletico Madrid joining for the first time because I was really keen on a couple of their players. And then Juventus came in and it was almost like top trumps. Juventus came in and beat Atletico Madrid. And, And it does feel already... Uh, that PSG have come in and taken that mantle to another level again uh, because whilst we had some really exciting auctions with Ronaldo uh, we had you know Dybala we had De Ligt uh, PSG look as though they've gone to another level and yes Mbappe Neymar I managed to sneak in on the first day to get a Neymar I then have picked up the two of 10 Neymar that I've subsequently sold and made a little bit of a flip on. And I've just considered that as a little bit of a chip away at what I ended up paying a premium on the one of a hundred for. Um, but yeah, you've seen all, all across the team, Kimpembe, Marquinhos, Kevis Nallet uh, in goal. I mean, these, these guys are not going for, for, for cheap money, um, especially when you look now at uh, Ethereum being valued a good maybe 100% more than what it was six months ago. And I only know that because of a card that I picked up this afternoon. I paid the same amount in ETH for it as I did for Jao Felix in uh, six months ago, but the pound value was near as damn it uh, twice as much. Um, but I, I can't see how these PSG guys at the moment are going to go cheaper anytime, anytime soon. They've not released uh, the Neymar unique yet. They've not released the Mbappe unique yet. And I think depending on when the timing of those comes if we've attracted another two three hundred managers by then yeah i think we can start seeing some 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 really special numbers from sales point of view will they be worth it only time will tell i think you know anyone that's owning an mbappe has got to be thinking that you know over the lifetime of that card no matter what you pay you're likely to be able to pay that off um you know relatively quickly if he has one or two good seasons and, and the same with Neymar. Um, you know, he's a bit older, but, you know, even if you are paying through the nose for him right now, pretty much the same as any card that most people have bought in the last 12 months. If you look back six months from now, 12 months from now, even if you felt you paid 20, 30, 50% more than you, you wanted to pay, chances are you'll, you'll, you'll still prove it was a, a worthwhile decision. Yeah, I think that, that's very interesting. So, obviously, when you're you're using these cars, buying these cars, you're looking for that return, and a lot of the return comes in the prizes that you're you're winning from entering them in, into these tournaments. And so, as you see, new users are coming on board, and there's more demand for these cars, the the price is potentially rising off those cars. So, what you're earning back in those returns, in those 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 card prizes, you can potentially sell on for, for higher premiums. So you've had that example there of Felix and a, a guy you've bought today, that increase in the, the Ethereum price, but you still believe you can get the utility out of that player in the current market. You think you, you'll be able to, to get a good return on him with the, the payouts on offer. So I think, yeah, as you say, with these new clubs coming on, more new users being attracted to the platform. I think we are going, only going to see higher prices for, for some of these guys. I'm still desperately trying to get myself an Mbappe. I thought I would would have managed on day one. It was my target, but it's not happened. Um, I'm still hopeful of, of picking one up over the next few weeks. So fingers crossed for me on that. Chef, are you, you had a, 
a look at any of these guys. Uh, did they play in the J League? Unfortunately, no. I no, don't no, think no interest for me, many of them are going to be transferring anytime soon. No, you never no, know. Well, some, someone's got to fill in Esther's boots in a few years. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I actually watched him at the weekend. I watched that game. He, he's, he's still got it. Definitely still got it. I think he posted quite a, quite a big score, didn't he? Oh, he ran, he ran the game for Kobe, but we'll get into that later. So, yeah, hopefully over this next few weeks, I'll, I'll bag myself an Mbappé. I've potentially got a chance of, of winning one in the next day or two. Um, we'll, we'll go into that when we, we go into my, my game week review. But that leads us into our first question. So, Mark Aleli on the Discord channel, what price does it, do we think Mbappé's unique is going to sell for? So, Mark, you, you mentioned there that when that's released is probably quite important. And although we're all clamouring for Neymar and Mbappé now, it may be a, a smart move from the guys to actually release this once we've onboarded additional users and, and there is more more demand for that, but that's still to be seen. Me, personally, <laughs> so looking at the most expensive sale at the moment, we've got 22 ETH for Marquinhos. I, I think that's going to look tiny compared to what Mbappe's going to go for. So Marquinhos is 26 years old. Mbappe's, yeah, Mbappe's the one. 67 I think he'll go for. So about, what's that, £18,000? Any advance on uh, 67, Chef? I think, I think, uh, I think triple figures. I think it'll go for 100. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I think, well, again, when we saw the way they marketed the Ronaldo unique, unfortunately that wasn't able to be sold as an individual card, so we can only go by it being sold within a bundle of five. But, you know, Ronaldo went for 59 ETH back in the day. And even if you generously apportioned, you know, three ETH to the other four cards, you know, 56 ETH for a Ronaldo. Um, I think now that people have seen that, you know, when Victor bought the Ronaldo, you know, over the next three to four months, easily he was able to then utilize that Ronaldo with other cards that he had in his collection. He had an aggressive collection of uniques. But I'd be amazed if he hasn't recouped at least two thirds of that back in prizes, both in ETH and cards since he's bought it. And I think other people can see that whether you buy a card that's 0.2 ETH, 0.5 ETH, 5 ETH, whatever the figure is, if you surround that card with good quality teammates and you're consistent with your uh your team selections, then the chances are you will better pay off your card step by step. And I think someone with that mindset, you know, if you saw Mbappe at 67 million, uh, as you've put there, Hibby, then, you know, the chances are, yeah, you've got to go 10% higher, but a rival will probably think, well, it's worth me going 73 at that point. Someone's going to go, well, it's probably worth me going 80. And then is it worth me going 88? Uh, so I think the final price will be determined by who is slugging it out at the very end. If it's two managers that, uh, you know, compete on a regular basis in the division ones, I can't see one person backing down if they've got, you know, more ETH in their wallet. Uh, if it's someone who, for example, like we saw come in for the one of 10 Mbappe, who didn't have any cards in their collection, and that was just maybe a, mm -hmm. a token collector card, 
um, maybe at that point, a manager competing in Division One might back down at auction, going, "Well, you know, well they can't do anything with that one card by itself." So that card is pretty much out of the game at the moment. So I think again, the final price. I'm going to go in the middle of you two boys, and I'm going to say. 88, 88.888. And that's not a, a clue to say that that's my signature end to a, an auction bid. And that's my final offer. Um, but yeah, around the eighties. Uh, and I would say, yeah, I'd like to see from a, from selfish point of view, it going to someone who doesn't have any cards at the moment and is, is brand new to the game. Uh, I don't want it going to a rival and then having to compete against it each week. So uh, yeah, 88 million to uh, an unknown manager. Unknown manager. So how, how much is that in fiat? Oh, it's let's have a look. Eighty-eight. I'm going to do it around two. Is it about two seventy at the moment? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Eighty-eight times two seventy. Let's go for let's go for twenty-five k. That's how hot isn't it? When you say yeah. it like that. When you when you pick up on what uh, you guys spoke about earlier. The pool in that, uh, for super rare prizes now in Division One and Division Two, you know, two or three months ago we had Ronaldo as a potential prize. After Ronaldo, there was Dybala. There was also Delict. You know, if you now look at what's potentially available in the super rare pots, you could win an Mbappe. You could win a Neymar. You could win a Marquinhos. So you could be winning cards now, which you know, as soon as you win a Neymar and Mbappe, you've got to be thinking that's a tenth card. Uh, so again, the justification for now bidding up at the seventies, the eighties, the nineties is if I was bidding, you know, 59 for Ronaldo, I would imagine that Victor's best prizes would have been three and four and five ETH cards. So now at 80, 90 for an Mbappe, if you're winning a 10 ETH card, it's, it's, it's no difference. It's all relative. Yeah. And that's, that's what we've touched upon earlier about adding these new players, these new elite cards into the game, adding new managers so there's there's more of a demand for them. That's driving the price up in the secondary market. And then you're getting this this winning prize that's, that's worth a lot more. You can quite easily get the returns back on that initial outlay if you're selecting your teams right. So, yeah. I, unfortunately, don't think I'm going to be able to compete in this Mbappe unique market anytime soon. I'd love to, but I'm going to have to think of other creative ways to get myself in the frame there for Division 2 and Division 1. Uh, probably should have took that, that leap two or three months earlier, right at the start, but it, it's quite difficult to do that, I think, at the, the early stage. You need to, to feel out a product, see how it works for you, how you know how, how it, it's actually going to evolve. So I had to, to understand the, the product first and foremost before I was able to, to build a confidence and I think I'm at that stage now where I can see that value. So definitely in that, that super rare market and the unique market, I really want to enter it because the value's there. So it's just a matter of time and, and picking up some some good trades around the way. So I think Discord talked about that as well, that ability to, to actually trade with other managers. I think that's going to be the best route for, for me there. There's lots of good deals to be had. Lots of managers are, are winning very good cards on a, a weekly basis and are, are potentially not able to use that card or it doesn't fit their strategy. So there's there's lots of opportunities there to, to pick up items that are, are going to help me. So, yeah, that's going to be my approach, I think. So next we're going to just, uh, review our performances in the game week. Uh, it was game week 104. Um, I'll let you two guys go first. 
Yeah, so a bit of a, a, a strange one for me this week. I took a bit of a, a risk. I didn't think Jeremy Doku was, was going to get the transfer. And I'd seen before the game week that Anderlecht had, had rejected an initial offer from a club um, for him. And I thought, you know, they're, they're going to try and... They, they need to hold on, on to this player. I also had in my, in my mind that he would likely want to, to get away ahead of a year ahead of international competition. He had just had his international debut and scored. So it was, it was a bit of a, a risk, a bit of a gamble, but I'm his biggest fan. So I have four of his rares and, and one of his super rares. They all played. Three of them were captain. And unfortunately, just before the game week started, his transfer to the Rennes was um, confirmed. So... That put quite a few of my, my entries in doubt of, of any real prizes. But then, late, late the other night there, I spotted that my Champion Europe Division 4 team somehow was sitting in first place. I hadn't really been keeping an eye on it because I thought my, my Asian, my MLS entries weren't really up to scratch. I had the the, the docu situation, so I didn't think I was I was really going to place too much, but I didn't take too much thought over it. Then I, I checked this and saw I've got a first place here, Champion Europe Division Four: Jan Black, Jason Denier, Danny Parejo, Declan Rice, and Jonathan Bamba. So yeah, these guys have <laughs> got me my first ever win, my first ever first first place in in the. The four months I've been on, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. Me personally, so I'm happy if I, I'm in the, the the card position. So if I'm earning prizes, I, I'm fairly happy. The value of those rewards are nice, but seeing this this first place and, and what's on offer there, I, I'm go, I'm going to have to get more serious, and I'm going to have to to start getting into these positions more often because I'm in the chance for a I've got a one in five chance now of winning an Mbappe, a Neymar, a Kimpembe, Immobile, or a, sorry, there's one other, I can't remember, but another elite player. Ronaldo? It's Ronaldo, isn't it? How could I forget Ronaldo? Not a bad one. Not a bad one to have. So any one of those five players, I'm I'm going to get back as a a prize this week. So each one of them is going to improve my future lineups. No end of I don't have any of them so far. So it's like a great prize to have. But I've also earned 0.5 ETH, so a couple of hundred odd pound there back from, from that prize. So great great result for me this week. I think that lineup as well, it cost me something like 235 pounds. I tweeted about it the other day there. And Jonathan Bamba was actually a prize from 12 days ago. So I've only actually bought four of those cards and I might get an Mbappe tomorrow. Crazy, crazy stuff. All done, pal. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I've got to say that it's fantastic work, and it's all. And I say Division Four because of the the volume of entrants that uh, compete in that as well. It's I think it's definitely the most satisfying uh, division to to come out on top of. So uh, yeah, I wish you all the best and get uh, definitely one of the top two. But I say if you can avoid Kempember, I think you're going to be happy. I'll be happy with like, any of the the five, to be honest. Um, but yeah, let's pray for Mbappe. Pray for Mbappe. 
Well, yeah, my wife. Well, it's it's funny. I've not I've not got a single first this week. I had a, had a fantastic midweek uh, out of nowhere uh, in week one hundred and three. But so far, yeah, I've just a uh, uh, one gap pretty much in in all my top teams. I've got a number of seconds. Second in Asia, second in the All Star because Dybala didn't play last night. Uh, second in under twenty three. Division one, my uh, defender didn't play, but I don't think I would have closed the gap on, on that one. And then, you know, a third, couple of fourths, fifth, and then a couple of bubble places, sixth and 11th. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to get the first, but uh, I think there should be hopefully five or six super rares there for, for a weekend's work. And depending on who they are, if I can uh, sell those on and then look, maybe look at the transfer market and fund, fund somebody new. So, yeah, it's disappointing not to get firsts, but uh, if you can't get first, go for second. Well, I think so, my biggest mistake this week was buying the Neymars and then not playing them. <laughs> for, for some reason, I thought he was injured. So uh, I didn't use Neymar in any of my teams. Uh, Teles did well for me before he's uh, made his move today. Uh, Declan Rice was steady. Jonathan David's still underperforming. But I think the one I'm most happy with this week is uh, my old friend Mbwana Samata, who uh, having been on the doldrums in Aston Villa for six months, and was a unique card that uh, I couldn't shift for love nor money. I stuck with him, and uh, now he's moved to Fernabachi. Touchwood, if he stays there, main man, he can score 15, 20 plus this season. Um, I've got him at level 20 now, so yeah, just stick him in my uh, either all star team or challengers team, and hopefully, he can score a goal each week. I think me and you maybe had a conversation about him a few months ago when I was initially. Um, looking at some, some unique players so yeah that's not great news for me but <laughs> hope he does well there that's the type of move though that's really exciting isn't it where you get a player who moves to this other league he's, he's maybe not not performing where he is but he's got an opportunity to go to another maybe a what's perceived as a, a lesser quality league and we think yeah, he can potentially step up and start performing really well so there's so lots of different ways of of picking up these players or a player who's maybe out of form in his current situation that couldn't quite quickly change overnight doesn't it oh most definitely and um yeah i think it's the same as if you were to you know break your collection down into rares super rares and uniques and you know i I can understand why managers might feel that the step up to uniques is quite daunting because okay i buy five uniques but is five ever enough do you need seven do you need eight you need you still need to be able to manage uh, loss of form or you know the fixtures have got to fall perfectly for your five to be out on the same weekend um, you know you've got to get everyone in favour no injuries uh, and, and it's the same I say super rares and rares um, and if you're carrying a unique which is is a card that's tough to select and it's probably not going to get you the points you need um, yeah that's where the risks come in at that stage, at those levels but it's it is higher potential rewards when it all clicks yeah I had a bit of a nightmare this week um, I was I was scrambling around before deadline trying to get some super rares for Asia and I I had a nightmare basically I bought two super rares but I didn't check the power and by the time I put my lineup in I was over the power, so I had to mix and match this week. So yeah, I had a bit of a nightmare, but my best result was eighth in uh, division four under twenty threes. So 
that's about the highlight for me. Other than that, it was it won't great. It'd be a, a, a prize, and therefore, yeah, I mean it'll be, it'll be a, a, the top ten percent prize in, in, in under twenty three cards. So hopefully it'll be something decent. But yeah, yeah, I was I it was hopeful of so much more. But not to be, but we move on to next, next week. week. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. So I think we've had a, a mixed bag of success this week. Fingers crossed for for my Mbappe. But let's have a look at some of the user questions we've received in because there's quite a few there. So starting off, we've got Young Willock, Lewis Turner. He asks, can you talk about what determines the value of a card? I think, Mark, this is probably one I'll I'll move on to you first. I know you've put out a really good guide on this in the past. It's probably something that you've thought a lot more about being on the the platform for a a long period of time and, and being involved in in all areas, so from rare, super, and unique. How do you value cards? Um, yeah, well, as I said, as you said, I, I did put an article together. It's back in July now, but I think a lot of it still holds true. Um, you know, it's probably one of the, the biggest questions I get asked from new users. You know, they start, they get excited, they've got their first balance of ETH, or they're ready to spend on the card. And they say, you know, before they start pressing the button to buy something, you know, could you help me this? What do you think this card's worth that? Um, So, yeah, breaking it down, I think because one of the fundamental pillars of the game is the fact that these cards have a defined supply, you've got to look at the scarcity first and foremost. uh, And whether that's, you know, 100 rares, 10 super rares, or or the unique, you know, that has to play a major factor. Um, over the last few months, as the platform's grown again and as more new teams have come on board and as there's more tournaments, I think my weighting towards looking at the card's immediate short-term utility and the future earnings potential of that card, that is really up there as well. Yet you can't ignore form, injuries, you know, um, You've got to adjust according to whether your guy is is going to hit the ground running or whether you're buying him, hoping him to recover from, from an injury. But I think what makes valuations you know, quite difficult to suddenly say that's a one ETH card or that's a 0.2 ETH card is you've got to look at your actual needs as a manager and where you've joined and what your collection, you know, is looking like to date. You know, there are going to be cards on the market which you're looking at and appraising and saying, well, to me right now, you know, that's an indulgent buy or it's a luxury buy and, you know, I'd love to own that card, but, you know, I'm not going to break the bank for them. So, you know, maybe it's worth 0.3 to me. But to someone else who's got four cards on the cusp of a really good team, has just had an injury, needs a card of, let's say, 8.3 times power to hit 42 times to submit their team for a week Uh, and has seen in the prize pool this week they can win a Ronaldo well all of a sudden car's not worth 0.3 it could be worth considerably more than that so you know you you, it's your actual needs the impact it might have also on a close rival of yours if you're seeing again a card coming up for grabs that you you know is going to strengthen an immediate rival that you come up against in whatever division you compete in most frequently, then you might have to push again to say, well, I can't let you have that for that price, I'm afraid. I've got a bid again. And, you know, even if it means stockpiling a player, um, looking at making sure that, that that card doesn't strengthen, you know, one of your closest rivals. You've got the obvious ones, player age, you know, maybe you can you can look at previous sales prices as a guide. Uh, for those that know me well enough, they they know that that's of little 
significance to me. I don't care what people paid for it two weeks ago, five weeks ago, or or longer ago. You know, it's it's the here and the now. And if a card says one ETH, and someone's asking that, then you've got to decide whether or not you want to pay that price. Not say, oh, well, someone paid 0.3 for it two weeks ago, so that's all I'm paying for it. Uh, I'm not buying into that at all. Um, and then looking back at the supply of the cards again, you can look at things like the managers that already own the other version. So if it's a super rare card. You know, it might be worth having a glance at who the other potential owners, other owners of those super rare cards are. And if you know a little bit about those managers, you can get a feel for whether or not they're ever likely to sell, whether they're hoarders, whether they are traders. Um, because again, there's going to be cards on the market. I sold a, an Oblak super rare today um, from last season. He did have, he does have 10 super rares in circulation. But, you know, I think I know the managers of those super rares pretty well. And I don't think there's going to be any really that are going to be up for grabs at a fair market price. So, uh, again, very different to a super rare that might be owned by five or six traders that are, you know, quite happy to flip on for 10, 20 percent. So take a look at the managers that already own the cards that you're considering to buy as well, because it might be worth paying a little bit more of a premium if you know you can't prize that card off somebody else. Um, and then again, trying to predict a bit of the future. We've got today, you know, the, the transfer window for Europe is closing. And sometimes if you can predict where a, a player might be moving to in the next transfer window, um, you can use that uh, information to your advantage. If you know, for example, Teles wasn't obvious until, you know, the last couple of days. But the nice thing on someone like Teles for me is that I own uh, a nice unique from last season. Porto haven't gone through the relaunch on the platform for 2021 yet. And so now he's gone to Manchester United. There won't be an Alex Telles unique card produced unless Manchester United or until Manchester United join the platform. And if that's not this season, then all of a sudden we've gone a whole season without producing any more Alex Telles cards as well. So take a look at some of the cards that are on the market. They might be strong performers now, but they could be worth even more if they you know, get a move to a, another club. Um, which Sarah can't currently produce. So there's so many different variables, but I think, again, overall, supply, utility, manager characteristics, they're probably towards the top for me, your actual needs as well. Uh, and try, if you can, to ignore previous sales prices because, okay, they're an indication, but you know, that's, you weren't around at that time to, to buy or uh, at that particular price. You can only buy at what the price is showing you at the moment. I was, I was just going to say to you, do you think we're sometimes, do you think the community is guilty of being like hamstrung by Sareda's, uh, like, like the two weekly auction prices and stuff like that that's on there? It's a great, don't get me wrong, it's a great like thing to use. But do you think managers sometimes look at that a bit too much? Personally, I think it's, it's yeah, yes is a, is a short answer, um, especially when they're trying to buy. They'll use, obviously, whatever number looks best for them to their advantage. You know, you get an approach. Are you interested in selling this person? Okay, yeah, the right price. You know, what is the right price? Well, you tell me you want to buy it. Uh, oh, well, Sarah Data says this. Well, you know, I'm not looking to sell at what Sarah Data says. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if that's where you think the price is, then, you know, go and find uh, another seller. Uh, I mean, look, it is something which will help you from making ridiculous overspends. Uh, there's no point going in and starting bidding one ETH on players that have only traded hands for 0.2 for the last six months. Um, but I think once you've seen roughly where that price is, you've still got to then adjust it according to, you know, 
your needs and if that is a, a pivotal part of a team that you think can win you you know some prizes consistently then you know make an offer to a manager that they'd be foolish to refuse because as soon as you start making offers to managers that are you know borderline you know i i think you're going to find it difficult to prize cards off of people yeah, that's really interesting. I think there's so many different points there. You've you've touched on the guys. I'll probably be wanting a, another guide on on that produce soon. So maybe get ready for some some requests to put some of those strategies in, in writing. There's, as you, as you've touched upon, there's so many different ways of valuing a player, and it's evolving every week. But about finding what's right for for you, you touched upon it at the start there that a card might be worth X to to one player may be worth X to, to another user. And I certainly find that. So I, I look at the, the values of, of cards that other people are buying or that are up on the market that are coming up for auction. I think, what would I get back from that particular player? Does that add to, to my, my lineup? And this is something I need to do a, a bit more of going forward, really uh, assessing that individual as a utility player in, in my collection. Because I think that, for, for me, is definitely what I've seen over the, the last month or, or so is where the, the true value is. It's actually getting these these collections into that competing um, form. So getting them into getting the, the right lineup for your Division 2, your Division 1, Division 3, whatever that may be, whether it's a European niche or MLS, Asian niche, but finding what works for you and then aggressively going for that, putting the, the pieces together. And that's where looking at maybe the, the data site in the past, looking at comparative pricing. I, I've maybe been trying to find a deal or buy a player under the current market value, whereas I should really be focusing on what's this player going to deliver for me going forward in this growing market? Can I play him for the next six, seven, eight years there's, there's so many different factors in valuing a player. I've, I've got players that are speculative holds, youngsters, guys who are currently not playing, but I think they've got a, a bright future. I've also got those other players who are putting in the performances now are the guys you watch on, on your TV every week. And they're the, the exciting players to, to hold. They're the, the ones you're, you're actually seeing. You can, you can gauge how they're going to perform. You can potentially look at historical data on them, the, the eye test the stuff that you've been seeing game to game and then start to, to put together competitive squads. So there's, there's just so many ways of, of looking at, at value and it will depend on your strategy, the way you approach a game. So there's players on here who are not as in, involved in the, the game weeks but are, are buying up players for other reasons and potentially to to hoard those, to sell them at a higher value at a later date. So we've got players who collect the youngsters and we'll, we'll look to, to sell those on when those players make their, their big move or, or get into the, those first team positions. So there's, there's so many different ways of looking at what the value of a player is. And I, I suppose quite rightly, Mark, you, you talked about is what is important to you? How can you get value from that player? Yeah, and I'm in agreement. Um, I've got a couple of cards where they won't be produced anymore. Uh, so I'm holding on to those. I've got a couple of cards that are youngsters. and But for the most part, it's just cards that I'm... I'm it's, it's what are these cards worth to me? I'm willing to pay whatever they're worth to that team that I'm willing to field in those divisions. Um, 
I try, I, I try, I've been trying not to look at the prices as much on Surveyor Data because um, I was really guilty of that at one time, really. And it, it got me out of a couple of players that if I'd have bought them, I'd have been in a much better position. But because they've gone above that price, it's in the auction, uh, I felt like, well, I shouldn't be paying that. Uh, I shouldn't pay above that price that's on Surveyor Data. So... I've been I've been guilty of that, and I've, I've been not looking at that as much now. Yeah, that's something I found definitely at the start. To to get some of the, the guys that I really wanted, I was having to pay 30 40%, 50% higher than what the data was saying they were recently traded for or what was the average of these players. In hindsight, those were absolute bargains, and I wish I had, had went in a, a lot harder and into a lot more. So... It's about a point in time, isn't it? And it's about what what's the, the future going to be? What can you potentially get as a return on some of these players? So, yeah, yeah, lots think, of ways of looking at. It. I think as well that it's it's a part of the learning curve of this platform. I think this this platform is quite unique, and it, it's just a learning curve you've got to go through. You know, absolutely. And I think there's there's other options there as well. So we're talking about how do you value a player uh, potentially? How do you value a player when you're looking to buy a player but loans are something quite big in, in the platform I've personally had some benefits of interacting with other managers and, and bringing in loans and also giving out loans to, to help others that's something that I think is overlooked and you can potentially get a, a great deal of game week value by making some, some loans with um, some other managers so Mark, this is something I know that you do every single week. I, I talk to some other guys that you, you've um, put in loans with, and Tom, Tom, Tom C, who's who's done quite well out of that situation. I know it's something you're quite passionate about. How, how do you see that in the, in the market? So, in terms of the, how does that add a, a value to a player? Um, well, I think just to to, to give an overview on. On loans. I mean, it is still quite a divisive subject. Um, you know, there, there are going to be many managers playing the game that perhaps haven't discovered Discord or play the game autonomously without, you know, collaborations with friends or sharing information. And, and maybe someone in that position, you know, certainly when you look at uh, the historical trades on Surreal Data, you might think, Hang about, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? He's giving him to him and he's giving him to him. And, you know, I'm playing by myself here and, you know, I'm, I'm getting outnumbered because the people I'm competing against are, you know, borrowing and, you know, optimizing their teams and I'm not doing that. So I do have a level of empathy towards managers that haven't got into a routine of, of using loans. From Sarah's perspective, I will hope, I would hope at some point that. Uh, a more official loan system might be put in place. So if you are someone that has building, you know, you know, a sizable collection of various different cards and, you know, you've obviously got too many cards for the amount of competitions that you can enter, you might want to look at that as a way to, you know, gain some sort of dividend payment each week from, you know, officially loaning your cards out. At the moment, we can only do that on a trust basis. And so, you know, we're giving cards out, sometimes taking cards back in as collateral. You know, you might take on a couple of injured cards or cards of equivalent value that, you know, the other, the other manager might not be using that game week. Um, but it's still done on trust. And it's, you know, it's still, it's still 
a relatively grey area and we're waiting to see you know which way Sarah will go in terms of will they make it official or will they put you know measures in place that might you know prevent loans from being attractive and maybe that might be a stamina system might be a match fitness something along these lines by giving a card out you know you might lose some xp or you know whatever they 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 might decide but whilst it's still you know uh something which is there to take advantage of yeah i mean you touched on it before when you start on the platform it's highly unlikely you're going to suddenly start buying super rares and uniques on day one and day two so you'll find your feet first with a you know nice collection of rare cards you'll see what all the fuss about is maybe in you know division three and division two and that might uh, inspire you to you know want to look a little bit towards the super rare market um but you might not jump from one super rare to five super rares all in one fell swoop and you might pick up an, uh, an unlucky injury or suspension or something along the way which stops you from fielding you know, a Division 3 or Division 2 team. So there are many experienced managers and longer-term managers out there with, you know, super rare collections that, you know, they're definitely not going to be using every week, even in Division 3s and Division 2s. And if you can strike a deal which works for both sides, then, yeah, at the moment, it's it's there to take advantage of. And so, you know, you mentioned Tom C. Um, He had a gap last two weeks ago for... uh, a challenger, a European challenger goalkeeper. I loaned him Minulay. Minulay was able to then play in Division 2 for him and that allowed Maximenko, his other main Super Rare goalkeeper, to play in Division 3 for him. His Minulay team ended up winning him a Super Rare, a nice Anton Mirinchuk. And then even the Maximenko team, which he demoted down to Division 3, ended up winning him a prize as well. So that really was a, a, a decent loan. And in that game week, I even loaned in a card from from Max because I felt my main striker in one of my Division 1 teams wasn't going to be strong enough and so I took in Morega. Morega did well that week and I ended up giving Max a, a tickle off the off the back of that uh, loan as well. So yeah there's there's lots of ways that you can you, you you can manufacture deals. There might be a card that you just simply don't want to sell but you're not not using. So you you might you might be able to you know give it up for a, a longer period of time. I've got a deal on at the moment for uh, a guy that's got two uniques he's, he's definitely looking to, to step up to buy more uniques but at the moment um, the opportunities just aren't there for him to get his third and fourth and fifth unique so his two uniques aren't gonna uh, with respect get him placing in the top five in the division one because there's plenty of managers that have got teams of three four and five uniques so I've made him an offer whereby I'll take his unique, which is stronger than a lot of my Asian uniques, and I'll play him each week in Division 1. Every time I win a prize, he takes a, 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 a part of that prize uh, for giving me that unique. I've given him 10 super rares in exchange, which he can now add to his own super rares and create more competitive Division 3 and Division 2 teams. And I've given him the option to uh, a non-obligation buyback at the end of the J-League season. If he wants his U back, he pays me a fee for it. And if not, I keep the U and he keeps the 10 Super Rares. But along the way, he's got probably 15 weeks now where the, the J-League's still got games to go. And if I can place seven or eight times out of those 15, I win a prize and he wins a part of that prize. So... Yeah, get creative. Talk to people, see what their needs are, and maybe you can find a, a way to work together without both having to go and spend even more money on the primary market. Some really creative ideas in there, and yeah, it's good to see. I think 
he talked about it, whether or not it becomes something that is a, officially part of the the system, uh, an official way of loaning players. Personally, I hope it does. Um, I, I think it has to. It. I hope they embrace it rather than um, try and discourage it. Um, who, who knows the direction that it will go, but in, in the meantime, there's, there's lots of opportunity there to, to make those types of trades. I've, I've done a bit. Uh, I've probably not utilised it as much as I could off. I potentially could be farming out lots of, of my collection to, to other managers, helping new users come on board, get com- more competitive teams there for maybe some some kickback. So th- there's, there's lots of opportunity there, um, but I can also see the potential for me to, to move up a few steps by, by taking some of those those ideas that you've just mentioned there and, and, and reaching out to, to a few managers. So it's opportunity opportunity um, for, of thought for me. I think there's stuff I can, can start to, to look at there. So we'll move on to the next question. Um, it's from Smithy off the Discord. It's, he says, how do Sarah make sure the initial price of onboarding does not put off users straight away? Uh, Bring you, ask you, bring that to you first, Mark. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Because obviously you've been here since the beginning, and you've seen all the uh, influx of new users. Yeah, I think you know because the, the the market or because the game appeals to to people of all kinds. I think the biggest challenge that Sarah has is making a game, a financial ecosystem within the game that can appeal to players on you know different budgets so you know we've got at the very entry level stage at its core you know a free to play game where someone can sign up today they can get 10 common cards and they can start that journey they can experience all the things that people that are playing paying to play the game can experience but at some point there will need to be a decision made to say okay i like this game am I going to invest and am I going to get on, you know, on, on a different part of the journey of my Surrey career or, you know, is it not for me? Um, and I know that the, the team are always, you know, um, they're looking at different financial models to make sure that they can get a healthy conversion from the free to play market over into the paid market. But people are saying, you know, for anyone saying, Oh, it's too expensive. Or it's too this or goalkeepers are that, uh, as we've touched on in other questions, it's still relative to what can be taken out of the game in terms of, you know, prizes or enjoyment or, you know, the social aspect. And, you know, you've both put together teams of, of, of di- we've all put together teams of different budgets and we've all got division four teams that, you know, cost us a lot less than our division three and our division two. Um, and I think from a Sarah point of view, it's, the number one driver is controlling the supply of, of cards on the primary auction. You know, when we first started, you know, many months ago, you know, we'd get maybe one power hour a week. And then we developed having a couple of cards on the market every few hours. You know, then we went up to five auctions per hour for, you know, the traditional European hours with no real cards overnight. Then we started adding more cards overnight. Then it started to become five auctions every 24 hours. So over 120 auctions a day. Now I think we're up to closer to 
10 auctions per hour, 10 or 12 in some cases, and a power hour. So we're touching on 250 cards on average per day. And from, from what I've seen, I think they do a very good job of controlling that supply in line with the amount of new managers that join. You know, if we had another 500 paying managers that have joined from the PSG uh, announcement last week, and we, only, and we stay at the same level of cards, we're going to see card prices shoot up dramatically in the same way that if they flood the market with 20 auctions per hour, but don't attract any more new managers, then we're going to see prices drop dramatically as well. So I think as long as they manage that initial supply onto the primary market uh, in line with the database growth, then I think that's the, that's the only thing that we can really expect uh, from a manager's point of view. And then it's down to the market to decide what the value of, of these cards needs to be. Absolutely. I think that, that incoming traffic is very important, isn't it? And the, the team seem to, to be on top of that. And it's anytime I've, I've spoken to them, it's something that is one of their primary focuses. So they're aware that that needs to be balanced extremely carefully. You can't, have a, a huge influx of new cards, district, you know, creating an unnatural um, situation there with the, not the, the right number of, of users to pick them up and, and changing potentially existing collection values. So we've had a lot of new users joining and we're, we're seeing this increase in, in the volume of cards that are, are being offered out. And so that's that's maintaining sort of the, the status quo of values. We're not... We're not seeing massive, massive changes there. I think one of the the, the the common questions I get is, will there ever be another level? So we have common cards that new users come into the platform seeing and, and using. But after that, those initial, almost those training weeks and, and those onboarding weeks, those cards become less relevant in, in the collection and you progress into that from that free-to-play into that pay-to-play arena into the rare, super rare and unique cards. There's often been a bit of discussion around whether they would introduce another category, a common category. So potentially we've got one unique, we've got one, it's 10, sorry, super rares, and we've got 100 rares. Would the common category allow for a 1,000 players of a particular card to be minted each year and could that be done on the blockchain and I think for me it seems like a logical step but the the amount of users that we have on board would need to significantly increase I think many multiples of where we we are at present I think that the current ecosystem is probably the the right place for me I think the 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 value that the, the current rare market offers to, to new users and the, the relative ease of entry there is is fair. So in the in the past week, I've managed to, to pick up players who are under 23, potentially starting for, for European sides, teams in the, the top five leagues for about £5. So there's, there's definitely opportunity there. Um, what I think is required is patience a lot of the time so I, I want to get involved in each of the divisions but to do so immediately would be very expensive I, I would have to take you know 
maybe deals that are a bit higher than I'd like to pay or a bit higher than I'd be able to get naturally over time. So I think that's something that the community probably needs to, to, to be aware of, that you can pick up some really great bargains, but sometimes it's not the first auction you see. It might be the fifth, the sixth, the seventh version of that player. Once the initial demand for a player has died down or just a particular day where there's less, less demand, uh, I, I know some days I don't look at the, the auctions. So there's one trader who's not contributing to the buy price of a, a player. You guys are, are probably the same. You're not buying every single day. So there are opportunities if you keep your eyes out for players and if you, you spend a bit more time actively on the market and, and also on the secondary market, you can probably find better opportunities just taking that that bit more time so yeah initial price when you, you come on and you see an Mbappe going for thousands of pounds you think this is this is going to be difficult for me to compete even when you see other lesser known players going for for several hundreds of pounds that's not representative of the, the entire market and there's some really cheap deals to be had and there's, there's players across the leagues that you can pick up for you know, under £10, £10, £15, £20 that are actually going to enable you to compete. So I've got some really creative managers that I've seen on, on Twitter posting some of their screenshots of game weeks. I'm thinking, why have I not picked up some of these players for, for the prices they have? Because there's, there's some good options out there. So, yeah. I think that's just touching on that. It's the same as when you join any football game, though. If you pope, if you start FIFA and uh, you think within your first pack you're going to sell, get a few coins, and go to the market and buy an Mbappe, it's not going to happen. And, you, know, you can always bypass that growth curve with an investment of time or an investment of money. Um, and as you said, there there are many many cards at entry level prices that are proving each week, if you if you get the right team of five, that they're, they're, they're more than worthwhile of, 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 of making a purchase for and, and, and putting a team together. Uh, if someone does want to come in and only wants to go and buy, you know, Old Black, Marquinhos, Van Aken, you know, uh, Mbappe and Ronaldo, then, okay, they can do that. But there is going to be, you know, uh, an expense to fielding that over, you know, uh, other perhaps lesser known players, which... Uh, you know, uh, are doing the same in terms of output. That's yeah, it, absolutely. I, I had Melvin Bard last week putting a 92.90 score. He cost me a very small amount. I don't even know, know um, how much, but it was on, under £20, I think. Nice, cheap buy, 19-year-old, playing for, for Leon and putting a, a near-perfect score. There's lots of opportunities out there. Yeah, for sure. I think you know. I think people are guilty of looking at this in the short term uh, a lot of the time, and you actually have to like look at the, the long term. Like chances of winning prizes is just like crazy. The returns on these cards, what you what you've invested in, are just ridiculous. You know, it's it's like we we touched on it earlier about Mbappe, like. People who bought on Mbappe now, they've got the best part of 15 years of competing with this card. I think I'll, I'll, you're going to retain your investment multiple times. 
Like I, I think the, it's, there's a lot of short short termism. I think a lot, a lot of the time. I think so. Yeah, there's definitely different ways of, of looking at it. So our, our next question I've got from from Quinny. Who is your dark horse card for the the 2021 season? So this was probably the hardest question. I'm still, I'm still I'm still thinking of mine here. Um, yeah. Chef, you can go first. Uh, do you know this? This is really difficult, and it um, there's a because there's a couple of like J League players, obviously that I've been keeping an eye on. So I'm going to keep them to myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> for a hashi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows about him, surely. Um, so, the guy who I've... I've who, he plays for me every week in my under-23s. Um, he's really steady. and uh, He's a defender. He's called... Uh, and I'm going to butcher his name. Marilla Chiquera. Marilla Chiquera. Chiquera? I can't even say it. He plays for the uh, locomotive Moscow. Is a Brazilian defender, uh, centre back. He's going to be a dark horse, a name you'd never probably heard of. He's the sort of card I win and just sell straight away because yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, he seems to get good values. So uh... is the number? Is the number five uh, on the survey data? He's number five on the under twenty threes. So out of all the players, cheapest one on the market now, fifty quid. 0.181 not so much a dark horse then anymore seems like there's a few on them but yeah for for me I think Niels and Kunku he's probably looking at my my collection he's a guy who was at Marseille there was only 10 cards minted off him and then he moved to, to Everton so there's only going to be 10 rare cards of this guy on the market the, he's had a, a really promising start to, to life at Everton. He's been playing in the, the EFL, the cup matches, and he's been earning huge praise. So, yeah, I think he's he's one I'm waiting for this Premier League debut. I don't think he's going to give me a massive amount of utility this year, um, initially. But I think towards the, the back end of the 2021 season, Niels is, is going to be, um, yeah, he's an exciting prospect for, for me. Do you know, it's funny, I actually own one of those, one of ten as well. Do you? There's a Liverpool fan that owns three of them. Cool, what's that all about? (laughs) (laughs) Is there a Liverpool fan? Tom C, he's got three of them to his name. Tom, obviously, I think you've mentioned it earlier that Tom's put together quite an impressive collection. I've been, I saw his um, super rare collection that he's topped up today. It's, yeah, He's really attacking those upper levels and doing it in a, a quite a targeted way. It's quite impressive. So anyone who's fairly new to the platform, Tom's probably a guy to, to reach out to for somebody who is also new to the platform but has identified great strategies for getting involved in the, in the right way at the, the top level. So he's returning quite a few prizes each week adding to his collection value, able to, to sell those guys on and then obviously competing and actually enjoying the platform. So I found definitely this week coming coming first has added to my excitement because I'm waiting for the chance of a one in five Mbappe. But it's also, yeah, it's just a, a nice feeling. So placing any time and, and getting a, a prize back is, is a good feeling. 
you guys all, all know that. Well, Mark, more than anyone, you get quite a few every single week. So, well, it's yeah. getting it's, it's getting harder. There's the, the chasing back are closing in for sure, and uh, I think we all know that at some point in the not too distant future, the uh, the multipliers will be converted into I don't know yet something different, which will bring us all back into uh, uh, a much tighter range again. I think the scoring that's that's had an up. Um, uh, a tweak recently as well has brought everyone closer. So I think overall in terms of, you know, making the the gameplay elements as, as competitive as it can be, it's, it's good for, it's good for the game. Um, there has been a bit of a glorified old boys club to, to some of the divisions. And, you know, whilst I've been part of that and I've enjoyed it, you know, I think, you know, I, I'd, I'd swap that straight away to see another 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 users join the platform. That's it. I think it's, it's really good. so. One of the things with having new clubs joining, so you've you've got the old guard who are maybe at one point really dominating a, a certain part of the market or a certain, certain divisions, but then you've got all these new players, new clubs coming in, and form changing, and new users coming in, and they have the ability to compete just as as existing users do. So you would you potentially need to continue to buy these best players you need to add these different selection options to your collection to be able to to maintain your current status quo so we've got guys coming in we had the mls we had the the korean leagues and the, the japanese leagues coming in that's something you've had to either adapt to and join in and compete at the the initial starting point with with others or or not, and continue with your your existing um, entries. So that's something I find really interesting. The fact that we're going to have more of these new clubs, and we've got more new users joining. So I'm in a position where I'm maybe not that competitive in, in one area, but there's a whole bunch of Russian clubs came in, for example. That might be my area of expertise. That might be, I might have funds at that particular moment in time. I can start buying up the the best options there and give myself a competitive advantage from that aspect. So, yeah, it's it's quite interesting, this. And it's good to hear you say about wanting other managers to come in. And I think that's something, as early adopters, you have to be really positive about and, and encouraging other managers to be able to compete. And that's what's great about this platform is, there is that community you can you can make these trades with other managers that you are competing with but i, I don't want to say it's for the, the greater good of the, the platform but it's it's a, a really interesting aspect um at, at the moment you can sort of develop that that competitive nature in in the in the gameplay with new managers without necessarily harming yourself well, yeah, there's games within a game and say each of the divisions now can be split off. We've got different regions. We've all obviously continued to have the all-star, the under 23. But I think, again, if you look back at some of the managers before you guys joined, you said three or four months ago, back in November of last year, you know, 95% of my cards would have been duplicate cards with, you know, a few West Ham cards thrown in for good measure. So, you know, there's managers that perhaps have bought, invested, you know, got some good value cards in the, in the, in the first six months of the game. But if they haven't proactively 
you know, continue to rotate, upgrade, you know, weed out the worst cards and replace, then I would say anyone that's joined in the last two or three months has probably surpassed them already. Um, you know, I'm looking at my stats now and I've got 80 Jupiler cards out of just under 450. So I'm, I'm under 20% Jupiler now. Had I done nothing, then, you know, I probably would have been well, you know, very top heavy in, in Jupiler cards and therefore very top heavy in things like European Challenger. Um, and so, yeah, I felt that, you know, whilst I've had and enjoyed, you know, some of the benefits from being an early adopter, I still have to make the same decisions on a daily basis or a weekly basis that new managers have as well. Um, because if you sit on your laurels and, you know, sit back with, with cards and you allow your inactive numbers to creep up and your injured players to creep up and your out of form players to creep up, then you can't be competitive in, in whatever division you want to enter. That's it. I think that there's probably been managers caught on both, both sides of that. Those who haven't adapted and are maybe struggling in the, the there's so many more options now. So before you, you did only have those, those Jupiler entries. Now you've got, all these different competitions to enter. So they might still be competitive there, but not necessarily taking full advantage of, of the platform and its, its current guys. Before you move on to the next question, I know I didn't even give my answer to the dark horse and I've been struggling on this one all day, but uh, I've got a few names here that I don't mind uh, disclosing because they're not, I don't think they're that really that dark to be fair, but in terms of when I've looked at the market, I've, I've always been baffled as to why players like Koulibaly is, is consistently trading under 0.2 ETH. You know, you're talking about a player that's, you know, an 80 million, you know, roughly valued player in real life. Doesn't look as though he's going to make a transfer anytime in this window. But when you're looking at stats on, you know, defender, I don't think there's there's many in the world that you'd rather have than Koulibaly. Maybe it's just that his stats don't translate perfectly over to the Sarer uh, metrics. But I, I can't understand why you see certain cards trading at 0.5 and above, and Koulibaly seems to be left on the shelf at 0.2. Similarly with Quebec. Um, I've been a big fan of his since he started on the platform. Again, I don't think he got that move today to Milan, which you know was was a late rumor that started to come in. You know, the guy has not happened. No. Uh, from, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I've just seen the Doku one where he's in a new Ren shirt, so uh, that's definitely gone through well, now. It's funny you should say that about Doku because uh, it looks like Rafini is not going through uh, for Leeds. So, oh well, really? our sporting director's just been on there. I'm a Leeds fan, uh, has just been on Sky Sports saying that uh, it, it's hit a snag. Uh, apparently, uh, what's it called? Rafini is uh, not too happy about having to leave Rennes and he's moving against his will, is what I've just I've just actually DM'd you it. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. wow. That's interesting. <laughs> mm. But yeah, for Quebec, for me, again, he's, he's obviously he's in a team that's absolutely leaking goals for fun. He's just got a red card. He's got an additional four-card suspension for spitting on someone. Um, obviously, he's not going to be a card that you want you, you go and pick up for this week um, or probably for the next few weeks. But again, 0.12, 0.13 is out on the market for at the moment. And at 19 years old, I think he's crazy value. And then another one, which isn't a dark horse, but Ferran Torres. Um, he probably wasn't best suited to the old scoring system. But, you know, I think he's just had you know, a solid game for Man City at the weekend, showing glimpses of what he can do. Um, he's a card that won't be produced until Man City are now at, uh, participating on the platform. 
And again, he's a card that you can pick up for, you know, quarter of an eighth point three. Um, and when you look at, say, the new shiny toys that come in, and I'm not saying Fran Torres is, you know, an Mbappe, but I can't see how Ferran Torres is any different to a Draxler or, you know, okay, maybe he's not a, a Di Maria output at this stage, but 19-year-old, uh, a premiership team that's, you know, not got a bad pedigree over the last 10 years, um, where they've got Aguero up front that's always injured, Gabriel Jesus, you know, I don't think he's uh, the finished article. You've got Sterling and Mares, and they've sold Sane. So, you know, I think there's some breakout year seasons for some of these guys. And, you know, they're the sort of things that I would look for in the platform. I normally try and have a, one or two of them on uh, spares in my collection because I, th- I also see them as good uh, trade pieces as well. Not everybody wants to have ETH. And, you know, if you're trying to strike a deal with someone and you can throw in a, an extra Koulibaly or you can throw in a, a Ferran Torres or someone like that, then that, that, that can often help seal a deal as well. Were they dark enough for you? They are indeed. I think I hold a few, so of those players, definitely interesting types. And yeah, I've just been checking out Colabalis scores actually. Yeah, they're, they're hit and miss. To say the least. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe, and maybe that's just not going to cut it in, then, and that's and, and so maybe that is just a fair price. His his ceiling's quite high, but his his floor's pretty low as well at the same time. So yeah, he scores below fifty quite a lot. Just put him in the same team as Neymar and Mbappe, you'll be right then. <laughs> so we'll take our last question from the community today. It's from Mark Lilly again. He's asking, what price is my Doku Uniquef in Ethereum right now? Uh, I'll let you take this because you are the owner <laughs> of quite a lot of Dokus. So. Well, yeah, well, I've got, I mentioned earlier I have five and all did not play <laughs> this week, so... His transfer looks like it's went through, hasn't it? I think a unique, I'd love a unique. I look before I obviously looked at, at this question, I can see that Mark O'Leary, he paid a, a, fair, a fair amount for, for the individual, but I think he's worth a lot more now. Um, the second docu, funnily enough, actually was sold today to our guest on, on the show. So Never Walk Alone picked that up today for 10.888 ETH, so just under £3,000. It's probably worth, worth asking you what you think about that. I think so. it's one that it got mentioned to me in a, a direct mes- message today. Was I going to go for it? I didn't have a, enough in my balance to look at it. Um, I was probably about four short of where you've ended up getting them for today, but I'm sure if I had entered the fray there, you would have taken him up quite a bit because he's quite a special player. Um, the fact that he has moved, we know there's, there's not going to be any new cards minted for him in the short term. And I think we, we all know he's got quite a, a big future ahead of him so being a Liverpool fan there's been loads of, of links in the past with him is that something that influenced your decision to buy him today? Um, yeah I think a lot of the factors that we discussed as to when you value a player that all came into, into play in this one because it's interesting because when I imagine when Mark Lally asked the question the original the, the, the docu that ended up buying today wasn't on the market 
Um, so the answer that we were perhaps would have given had that not been auctioned today would be very, very different. Um, I may know, you know, I made Mark Lally a number of offers for his docu unique over the last few months. Um, as I know, he hasn't quite got to that fifth, uh, unique. I felt that the docu to him wasn't worth as much as it would be to someone who would be able to put him to work more. Um, you know, in my opinion, he's got doc unique, he's got Vacheron, uh, he's got ad sick and, you know, whilst all of them individually are nice cards, he hasn't quite collectively got enough power. He hasn't got the goalkeeper, hasn't got the fifth outfield player that he hasn't chipped away. In my opinion, on the value that he spent on the doc in the first place, fortunately, because for some of the reasons that you said, because he is a highly desirable card, there, there is some capital appreciation to be had, even if you're not generating prizes off the ownership. But if I was spending 12 youth on a card, which, you know, near as damn it just done, I'd be wanting to find the shortest route possible to earn that 12th youth back. And I wouldn't want to be relying just on capital appreciation to, uh, to, to, to get that back. Um, we've seen it with Jonathan David earlier on. I own the Jonathan David from the first year. And I was, you know, bittersweet when you see the first week of auctions for the following season and boom, out comes Jonathan David again, unique, thinking, mm, how's that going to impact the price and the valuation of mine? And the Jonathan David unique went for 12 ETH. And I think when a second version, or in some cases, this this time, this won't be long before we get a third version of Osserman. We've just had a third version of Hans Van Aken unique. Um, it's not that the shine gets taken off, but the scarcity gets diluted. And so there are now two docker uniques. So I don't feel as though mine is suddenly worth more than what I've paid for it today. Um, he's still got to go to perform uh, at his new club. One of the advantages I did like is that the move takes him from being a Euro Challengers card to a Euro Champions card. Uh, of course, you can still use an under 23, um, which, which, which is great as well. And it'll take some pressure off David, Felix and Osserman if, they, if they're not scoring. Um, but yeah, I, th I think you can only answer this question by saying he's worth what he sold for today. And that's to me, he's, he was, a you know, just under an 11 ETH card. If I got pushed a little bit more, maybe I would have gone a little bit more, but I don't see him being a 20, 25 ETH card because he's, he's, he's not justified that yet. There are other cards out there, which I would consider to have greater utility. And if I really had to go and put down a, a lot of money would spend 20 ETH for, but I don't see his docu being a threat to mine. It hasn't built up the XP as fast as perhaps it should have done in another collection of uniques. And if docu has a fantastic week, then I know at best he's going to be played alongside of a share and an ad sick. And I'm pretty confident I can uh, more than match that with whatever team I put, put him up, uh, put him up in. Yeah, de definitely. I think that's interesting. You say about why you went for, for that kind of t that price, and there's maybe others that you would be more willing to pay almost double the twentieth point for, because they they might have more existing utility value. And we've talked about it before around how different players have, have got different strategies on, on here. So you're you're more focused on getting that value back out of the, the player in the in the near term. Others might be willing to take a, a lesser return on a player but just sit on sit on him for a, a longer period of time and so yeah you, you'll find that different 
different players, younger guys there who have maybe got less of a an immediate impact in your lineups might be the, the great to, to hold player, but you're not going to get those instant returns. Yeah, and I think the overriding factor was that I think I did pretty much everything in my power to try and trade for Michael Ailey's unique. He's held firm, fair play. Um, and so I also knew that, you know, whoever was to get the second version, uh, the chances are they're not going to buy it and then, you know, sell it on for a, a minor 10 or 20% profit. They'd probably be wanting to buy it to own it. So that's what was the, the best case. offer you gave them? Um, I think it would have been circa 8 to 10 ETH plus Havertz SR plus the Doku SR plus maybe a couple of others as well. I've probably got it on my trade history, but uh, I would, I would say it was a You've package. You've done quite well to do then. A pa- yeah, it was a package worth, to me, I felt it was a, maybe a 16, 18 inch package that went towards it. Um, but no, I think it's good. If he's, if he's that uh, steadfast on holding it, then I think that also helps both of our values because I can't see myself selling it either anytime soon. Yeah, well, is it the 20th most expensive Hard so far. I'm sure I'll, go, I'll drop them to 21st. I think very shortly, but interesting. So that brings us to the end of the third Surreal Global Fantasy Football podcast. I hope you found it useful. As always, if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept of Surreal to more users. And if you haven't already joined, then grab yourself 10 free cards and get going by using one of our referral links in our Twitter profiles. See you next time, guys.